재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 Japan's homegrown stealth fighter manufactured by Mitsubishi Heavy Industries, dubbed the X-2, conducted its maiden flight last week, joining the U.S., Russia, and China as the only countries to produce a fifth-generation stealth fighter jet. To learn more about the ramifications of all of this, very pleased to have joining us from Norwegian University of Science and Technology, political science professor Paul Midford. Hello. Uh, Yes, hello, yes. Hi, I'm happy to join you, Henry. Thank you for joining us, Professor. Uh, this latest stealth jet by Japan, in your view, uh, does this affect the region's military balance of power in any way? Actually, I don't think it really does, because I don't think this jet is ever going to make it into production. I think it's mostly uh, just to demonstrate Japan's technological prowess and maybe to sell components or um, aspects of the technology to other countries more than to actually produce a, a fighter. I don't think they can afford to turn this into a full-grown, uh, in, in, into a mass-production fighter on their own. In, in the U.S., there's been a lot of talk about defense cost-sharing. We've had certain candidates, who I won't name, who have been saying that countries like Japan and Korea have to pay a, a larger share of the uh, uh, defense burden. Does this technological advancement in any way signify that Japan would say, hey, you know what, we can be a little bit more independent of the U.S.? Yeah, I think that's what they're trying... Okay. Yeah, I think you're right. I think maybe this is being used as a bargaining chip uh, with the U.S. Also, we should keep in mind that Japan has signed up to buy the F-35 stealth fighter from the United States, and they're also participating in in production of that. Um, Now, of course, Japan wanted to buy the F-22 Raptor from the U.S. The U.S. decided not to sell it to anybody. Japan was very disappointed about that. And many say that this jet actually looks a lot like an F-22. So in some ways, it sort of reflects uh, Japan's um, uh, disappointment at not being able to, or frustration at not being able to buy an F-22. But um, I I suspect that Japan will mostly stay on board with the F-35, buying it and contributing to its development and production. And, rather than really going in the direction of this fighter. Okay. The other concern here, especially for people here in South Korea, although maybe not particularly this specific advancement with the stealth fighter, is that uh, since uh, Shinzo Abe came into power, he's been talking about uh, reworking the pacifist comp, um, constitution, having a more forward defense force, uh, which, of course, uh, rattles a lot of nerves, especially people who remember the uh, the colonial period uh, of decades ago. Yeah. Yeah, what, what are your thoughts? Right. I, I don't think this really marks a major turn in Japanese uh, defense policy. I think it's still basically defensive defense. Um, we should also keep in mind this is the third fighter Japan has developed. It developed one in the 1960s, the F-1, that wasn't very good. It developed the F-2, which was based on a U.S. F-16 in the late 80s, early 90s. That also wasn't very good. We also don't know how good this jet would be. Um, and again, as we were saying, it's hard to develop uh, a cutting-edge fighter on your own. Even the U.S. can't really do that anymore, and that's why it's turning to its allies to share the costs and and, and pool technology. So um, uh, it, it may many people may see this as a symbol, but in fact, I don't think it's going to um, uh, really change much in, uh, in the way uh, the reality of Japanese defense. Okay. 
for China, does this also kind of spur them on when they see they have all these disputes, including, of course, uh, historical issues, but um, namely the Jiayu or Senkaku islets? Uh, can it trigger sort of an arms race here? Well, in some sense, there's an arms race going on uh, already. Mm-hmm. Um, China is building up its capabilities. Japan is also building up its capabilities. Again, um, as a symbol, this might have some effect, but I think Japan's uh, acquisition of the F-35, the fact that it's now deploying troops to islands near the Senkaku Islands for the first time and deploying anti-ship missiles uh, uh, near the islands as well, not on those islands, but nearby islands, is, I think, uh, very indicative of of an arms race. Also, Japan now has a, a Coast Guard fleet that is consists of 12 ships. It was inaugurated this month, and it's only aimed at defending the Senkaku Islands. That's a huge effort just to defend a bunch of uh, uh, unoccupied islands. So um, there's already an arms race going on there already, and probably this fighter doesn't change that much. In terms of, uh, as you're saying, there's already an arms race going on, and uh, there are all these disputes, not just with Senkaku, but all of the various regions in, in the South China Sea, the Spratly Islands, and, and the U.S. wanting to maintain its uh, hegemony here in Northeast Asia. What, what is in the U.S.'s strategic calculations now? Um, yeah, there is obviously a, 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 um, a competition for hegemony. Uh, going on, and, and China does seem to be trying to establish itself as kind of the regional military hegemon and displace the U.S. Um, uh, so in that context, we are seeing definitely some arms racing, and, and we're seeing more tension. Um, and Japan, of course, is very much dedicated to helping the U.S. to maintain its uh, its military uh, dominance in the region as much as it can, and, to the, uh, and also as its own strategy, it's pursuing what... Um, uh, a version of what China's pursuing. China's pursuing something called anti-access strategy to keep the U.S. Navy out of East Asia, and Japan is pursuing a similar strategy to keep the Chinese Navy from uh, 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 outside of the uh, immediate waters around Japanese islands. Ultimately, as you've probably heard many times as well, is South Korea itself because of its tensions with North Korea, of course, but these major powers here, there is this sandwich effect that people always say. In your view, what do you think South Korea's strategy should be going for in the next few years? Okay, what what can South Korea do? Um, yeah, obviously South Korea's position, as I see it, is, is, is quite delicate, and it's in the middle of this, and obviously um, South Korea, I, I would think, doesn't uh, w- would like to have uh, good relationships with uh, China, the U.S., which is its ally, of course, and Japan, which is a de facto ally, um, and not see that kind of arms racing tension uh, because it's sort of in, in the middle between them all. So um, in some sense, I guess South Korea um, uh, ought to try to be a bridge builder between China on the one hand and, and Japan and the U.S. on the other, even while maintaining its position uh, as a U.S. ally. Now, of course, with the recent South Korea's recent decision to buy missile defense, this has become even more difficult, or to participate in U.S. missile defense has become more difficult, but um, uh, I think South Korea has better connections and better uh, ties uh, to China and to the U.S. than uh, perhaps either right. do to each other, um, and, and maybe South Korea can play a useful role in that sense. 
All right. Uh, Professor Mitford, we're going to leave it there, but thank you very much for joining us. Appreciate your time. You're welcome. It's a pleasure to join you, Henry. Soul City News up next.